0: Well, hello again, friends, and welcome on into what we're calling Acceptance Day here at the SCO Show. Mark Schofield here in the big chair for today, Friday, April 30th, 2021. The first round of the 2021 NFL draft is in the books, and the New England Patriots have a new quarterback. Michael McCorkle Jones, aka Mac Jones, is the latest addition to your New England Patriots. So we're going to talk about that today. Also, later in the show, we're going to talk about what they might do at 46, what they might do at 96, because obviously the Patriots still have more picks to make. And so there are a number of different directions they could go in with those selections. Before we do that, though, your usual cavalcade of reminders. Follow along with the hijinks on the stake map at Mark Schofield. Check out the work. USA Today's Touchdown Wire, where you have already got best scheme fits, from round one as well as a round two mock draft from me that were up and posted late last night, or early this morning. You can also check out the work, Big review where I've already chatted with Ed Valentine about what the Giants did with Kadarius Toney, uh, Bleeding Green Nation, right here at Pat's Pulpit, where I was lucky enough to be part of the the live stream last night with Keegan, with Pat, with Ryan, with Brian, with Taylor. Um, we were on when they made the pick, obviously, and the memes are already being generated Uh, Brian's instant reaction, my instant reaction, Taylor's instant reaction, everybody's instant reaction. It was a ton of fun last night as we all quickly moved from the bargain and into the acceptance stage of the Mac Jones news cycle. So what we're going to do today, first thing, why this is a bad pick. Next, why it's a great pick. And a little bit later, we'll talk about what the New England Patriots might do in round two and three. So let's look at the glass-half-empty approach right now and sort of highlight why this might not work. And the main reason to point to with respect to this might not work is the idea that Mac Jones lacks the athleticism, the escapability that is becoming a prerequisite to play the quarterback position in the NFL today. And to that point... When I sort of look at what young quarterbacks need to make it in the NFL today, I wrote a piece last year when both, well, actually when all three of them, Tua Tungvaluwa, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, were playing well. I said that you needed two things. You needed the ability to throw against leverage and you needed some modicum of athleticism. Because... The athletic ability in a quarterback today does a couple of different things that are so beneficial both to the player in terms of his development and to the offense that he runs. With respect to the offense that he runs, when a quarterback has that athleticism, they can now be a factor in the run game. And if you think about the way this sport is trending, when defenses are doing everything they can in the the pre-snap phase to force the offense to run the football— to play too high, to play light boxes, to try to stop the pass because we all know passing is king, passing game is still more efficient. One way to sort of counteract that is to make the quarterback a factor in the run game because now you can turn a light box into a super light box. If you've got a a five-man front, a six-man front, and you've got your standard two-by-two formation, five offensive linemen, running back, quarterback, you know, if you've got a six-man front, you know, a run play, an RPO-type design can sort of tilt the numbers a bit in your favor. But they really swing them in your favor if the quarterback is indeed a weapon as an athlete, as a runner. And Mac Jones, that's really not his game. Um, so that's part of the athleticism component. The other part to the athleticism component is this. When a quarterback is trying to adapt to life as an NFL quarterback, when everything gets faster, the ability to extend plays with your legs to sort of, you know, buy time with your legs, that gives you time, more time in the pocket to work through reads. And so if you're not quite clear on a concept, you have the ability to sort of extend with your legs, extend with your feet. Buy a little bit more time, be a little bit more certain of the decision that you eventually make. Again, not a strength of Mac Jones. And so you start piecing this together, and you wonder if a quarterback of Mac Jones's skill set, if he's behind the times now, if he's more of a dinosaur than a throwback, and Doug Ferrar, my Brilliant colleague over at USA Today wrote that earlier this draft cycle, basically raising the question, is he a dinosaur or a throwback? You're hoping that he's a throwback. You're hoping that he's that traditional mold of pocket passer like Tom Brady in that mold, in that vein, that could still be successful in the NFL. And a little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about how that can't work. But the fear is that he's a dinosaur. The fear is that the game is trending in such a different direction, away from quarterbacks like Mac Jones, that even if he is as advertised with respect to decision-making and working through reads and accuracy in the short and intermediate and even in the downfield touch-passing game, that it won't matter because he's not a quarterback of the moment. He's a quarterback of the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s the guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers, if they were coming out right now, people would be looking at them and saying, we're not sure it can work. And so there's going to be this tension. Is a quarterback of a Mac Jones skill set still a viable option in today's NFL? Now, as we'll dive into in a few minutes, it certainly helps if you can protect him. And we'll touch on that in a second. But these are the reasons why, if you were watching – the Pat's pulpit live blog last night, we were all just kind of sullen when the pick was made. And part of that is, of course, the idea that they could have come up to 11, probably not paid as much as the Chicago Bears did, and gone and gotten Justin Fields. And it's sort of, it's important to give it the context of you're seeing Justin Fields start to slide into range and then it's Mac Jones instead. And so you put that together and you have in the moment the reaction of, no, is this really what's happening? But that's the the in-the-moment reaction. Up next, I'm going to talk about the ways this could work, this sort of glass half full view of Mac Jones. And yes, this is partly me working through the acceptance phase, but that's what we're going to do next here in episode 192, 193, excuse me, of The Scope Show. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. Mark Schofield, back with you now on episode 193 of the Sco Show. And we've talked about the sort of glass-half-empty approach of viewing Mac Jones and the pick at 15. Let's talk glass-half-full. And honestly, if you really want to get the glass-half-full view, go to mattwaldmanrsp.com, buy the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, or watch the video that I did with Matt on Mac Jones. Because Matt has been telling me since, I think, October – Mac Jones in New England. He's been telling me since October, Mac Jones in New England. And, you know, I partly sort of brushed it off and would, you know, joke around with him at times. And then when we did our show, I sort of started talking myself into it a little bit more because, interestingly enough, Mac Jones is more my traditional type of quarterback than Matt's. Matt's is more Zach Wilson. But over the years of working together, Matt and I have almost, I don't want to say flipped on it, Um, but he's got a higher view of Mac Jones than I do. But here's why it could work. The things that Mac Jones does well, decision-making, working through reads, accuracy in the short and intermediate areas, giving his receivers a chance to make plays after the catch, understanding... The weaknesses in his protection schemes and getting ahead of those in the play, so that if he does get the blitz, he knows where the weaknesses are and he knows that he might have to bail early in the down. Those things, as much as the game might be trending away from quarterbacks with from, you know, pocket passers and towards athletic quarterbacks, those things still matter at the position. Those things still matter, and I do believe. That in the right offense, Mac Jones can be a very good NFL quarterback. If you think back to sort of earlier in the entire draft process, I talked about a show I did with Jordan Reed, who played Division One quarterback, was a much better quarterback than I ever was, has coached the position, has recruited the position, knows this game, knows this position inside and out. And the way he framed the sort of Mac Jones discussion to me was this way. You need to make sure you've got the three P's around him, right? Protection, playmakers, playbook. You want to make sure you have the right scheme for him. You want to make sure you have the right weapons for him. And you better find a way to protect him. Well, as we talked about on the Pat's Pulpit Live blog last night, live show last night, the Patriots have a very good offensive line. And they might still add to that position group. The Patriots have added playmakers, and they might still add at receiver. I do, I do believe that they want to address the receiver position likely tonight at some point. And then you get to the scheme component. And I do think that your traditional New England Patriots quick pass in game, play-action pass in game, that's a good fit for Mac Jones and what he does. You know, when you sit back and watch Mac Jones at Alabama, you see some of the routes that he throws well. You know, slot fade routes, quick option routes, crossers, shallows, things like that. You see a lot of carryover between that offense and what the Patriots have traditionally run and traditionally expected from their quarterbacks. Now, obviously, last season is is a bit of an anomaly because Cam Newton comes in and he's a quarterback with a different skill set. But I do think that this offense can work. I do think that Mac Jones can be an effective quarterback in this offense. And I think if you look at those three Ps and work through them, the Patriots have done enough to satisfy me from that standpoint. And yes, as I said, I'm slowly sort of talking myself through the the acceptance phase of this. But I do think that they are in a position where they can put Mac Jones in a position to be a successful NFL quarterback and to reach not just his floor, but potentially his ceiling as a passer. And the other thing that I think is important is this, and this is sort of a two-fold, two-pronged discussion. They didn't have to give up anything to go get him. And they won't have to play him right away. That's the other thing to keep in mind. With respect to the second point, they believe they can contend and win right now. And they think that they can do that even with Cam, provided Cam isn't the guy we saw last year, he's closer to not the guy we saw in 2017, but at least closer to that. They look at the additions. They look at the guys that are coming back. And so I do think that they believe they can contend right now. But they also were cognizant of the fact that sitting at 15, they had an opportunity to not just address the quarterback position, but address it for the long term with the expectation that they won't be picking this early in the first round again anytime soon. And so this is an opportunity to address the quarterback position, to take advantage of picking 15th, to take advantage of the fact that you've thrown a lot of money around in, in free agency and piece the rest of the roster together. You've got an opportunity now to get your quarterback of the future and you didn't have to give up anything to get him. And I do think it's an easy exercise in terms of making yourself perhaps feel a little better about it. But what if they had swung the trade to 11, given up something close to what the Bears gave up, a future first, a future third or something, future fourth, And done it for Mac Jones. How would you be feeling in that moment? Because I do think that had they paid the price of the quarterback trade to go get Mac Jones, this would be a lot different discussion. Especially if you're doing that and you're passing on Justin Fields. Now I'm sure there will be arguments to be made that they had an opportunity to get 11 to pay that price to go get Justin Fields. Maybe there's some reason that The league does seem to be a bit more sour on fields as opposed to those of us on the outside. But that's not the scenario. The Patriots were able to stay at 15 and draft the quarterback and not give up anything to do it. And I think that's an important bit of context. So again, as I'm working through the acceptance phase, I can see a way that this works and I can understand why they made the pick at 15. Now, you watch the war room video. It's not like they were the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions, when Penny Swell fell to them, it was like a mosh pit in that war room. Meanwhile, you look at the Patriots and Belichick's like, all right, you guys okay with this? You guys okay with it? Yeah, I'm good with it. All right, let's get him on the phone. Hey, man, congratulations. Welcome to the Patriots. Excited to work with you. Yeah, Our, our owner, uh, Mr. Kraft, going to talk to you in a second. I mean, it was just like, okay, this is it. And, you know, that's typically the way the Patriots handle these things. But it wasn't quite the Detroit Lions jumping for joy. But there is a way that this can work. I'm slowly talking myself into it. Of course, what remains to be seen is what happens next. And that's what we're going to talk about to close out this show, what the Patriots might do tonight. They've got two picks, picks at 46 and 96. And here's how those might play out next here on episode 193 of The Scope Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 193 of The Scope Show. We're going to close this out quickly with a, a peek ahead to Friday night. Now, I'm recording this Friday morning. It's currently 11.20 East Coast time. Mike Giardi was already on NFL Network this morning saying that the Patriots would like to close the gap between picks 46 and 96 today. I wouldn't rule out an aggressive move for a wide receiver because I'm also hearing rumblings that the Cleveland Browns might be in the market to do something similar. They've got picks 89 and 91. They'd like to package those together and get up. And if you sort of look at what those picks, 89 and 91, could sort of bring in terms of a draft value trade. You look at Cleveland at 89 and 91. Using the sort of this is the Jimmy Johnson model. Rich Hill's got another one too. Eh, let's use Rich's because this is after all Pat's pulpit. And we'll give show Rich some love here. And so you're looking at the Cleveland Browns, who I've been told are aggressively looking at packaging 89 and 91 that gets you on rich hills chart that's 90 which gets you into the back half of the second round saying that 58 59 60 round well cleveland's already on the clock at 59 so i'm not sure that how much that would really accomplish But let's think about the receivers that will be on the clock or available around that 46 to 50 range because I think that's a worthwhile exercise. And the first name that jumps out to me, honestly, is DME Brown. And that's a player that I've come back to a couple of times um, throughout this process. I think he's a talented wide receiver. I know, and I mocked him to Arizona in my second round mock, and I've had Cardinals fans, my buddy Dan, push back on that, saying they don't see it, they don't buy it, they're not a huge fan of him. I love DME Brown, and I've talked about it as a former quarterback, his willingness, his work rate, his effort to get open on downs. I love that about him. I think he's somebody that doesn't turn the motor off until the whistle blows and he's walking back to the huddle. And I think that's so critical for a quarterback. And it's arguably going to be critical for Mac Jones because if Jones is forced to sort of, either play early or if he's in a situation where he's going to need somebody to give him help, I think DME Brown is that kind of player. And so I think DME Brown at 46 is certainly in play. You could even look a little bit deeper, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Talon Wallace from Oklahoma State. If they look more slot types, Amari Rogers, Dwayne Eskridge, those could be guys sort of in the mix. Now, I mentioned that I did a mock draft for the second round. And at 46, however, I went in a different direction. Christian Barmore, the interior defensive tackle from Alabama. We have yet to see an interior defensive tackle come off the board. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. Remember, I called that sort of a classic Belichickian selection, right? You look at that position group. You see that it's pretty thin. And you realize... There's an opportunity to add at that position. You slide him into Adam Butler's spot. I was growing to accept that option at 15, and now you might get it at 46. That pick wouldn't surprise me at all. And I do think that at some point, offensive line, we talked about it on the Pat's Puppet Live show, offensive line might be in the mix. I think that's more a play perhaps at 96 if they stay there or even if they come up. Say they use 96 to close that gap. And they try to come up a little bit, right? 96, that's, you know, 39. You package 96 with, you know, maybe the fourth rounder at 122 or so. That probably gets you earlier into the third round, say in that like 75 range. Dallas on the clock at 75. You look at maybe Josh Myers, Trey Smith, Jackson Carmen. Those could be some options there. Brady Christensen from BYU, a lot of people really like him. And so if you address receiver at 46, you can then look to move up a little bit earlier into the third round and perhaps add another option at the offensive line position. It's not a pressing need. Like, I think they could roll into next season with the five they've got, but I do think they'd like to add a depth piece there. And if somebody they really like is available... That could be an opportunity for them. And so that's kind of how I see this playing out. A dark horse option is the secondary, whether it's safety. We haven't really seen a safety come off the board yet. Whether it's a depth piece at corner with perhaps an eye towards an eventual move on Stephon Gilmore, that front, or JC Jackson, that front. Those could be options. You start thinking about corners, uh, a Mela Fonwu from Syracuse. Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky. Pawson Devo from Stanford. Those might be boundary options. Elijah Molden on the interior. Aaron Robinson as a slot guy. Those could be slot options. And certainly at safety, Javon Holland at 46. Richie Grant at 46. Those could be options at the safety position if they're trying to hedge against a DMC retirement in the next year or so. So those are opportunities for the Patriots. There's a lot of pathways they can go right now. And I do think that as we continue to talk ourselves into Mac Jones, they've put themselves in a position to be successful tonight as well with different pathways to add talent. But folks, that will do it for today. I'll be back at some point either tonight or or tomorrow morning to react to what they do on day two. Until then, friends, stay safe. Check in on your neighbors. Wash those hands. And what do you do? Sin along and bless those Patriots reigns down in Foxborough.